Hello, everyone, and welcome to Knights of the Pages Library. Usually, this is a podcast dedicated to audiobooks, but today we have a special guest with us, Garrett Michael Brown. You might remember him from a couple books that we reviewed, but he's here with us today. Garrett, how are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, and I don't know if we've actually mentioned this in previously on the podcast, but Garrett, actually, I reached out on Reddit just a while back to see if uh, anybody would be interested in coming on. And Garrett reached out to us as interested in being on our little podcast. So we really appreciate that. I'm very excited to be here. It's my first my first podcast as a uh, as a narrator. Oh, really? Oh, awesome. Very yeah, cool. I feel honored. Thank you. <laughs> I did a uh, I did an interview with Josh Gayu about a year ago just for fun, but uh, not a podcast. This is this is brand new. I'm exciting. Cool. Ooh, I'm glad you're excited, Garrett. How did you get started in the audiobook game? I know you're kind of newer, which is exciting to me. So, like, what brought you into the narration? Uh, actually, it's something I've been wanting to do since I was a kid. Um, my dad, for some reason, was really into books on tape back in the day when we still had cassette tapes. Mm -hmm. And I'd uh, sit at our little what, you know, 1970s style wet bar and uh, record myself reading into one of those old Fisher Price hard plastic red uh, tape recorders. No way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> long time ago. It was, it was, you know, it was for fun. It was just something I liked doing. Um, and then, I don't know, then life, life intervened and went through a couple different career options. I was, a, I was an actor for a long while, and then I was a chef for an even longer while. Oh, really? Yeah, for about 15 years here in Seattle. Oh, and wow, then, very cool. Yeah, thanks. It, uh, yeah, it paid the bills, mostly. And then, uh, yeah, some family stuff and personal stuff, and uh, it just happened to work out. I'm sorry, my, my wife and I had a baby, and uh, we decided it would be better for me not to continue working because of what I was making. And this presented itself as an option and it's worked out really well so far. So stay at home, dad slash audiobook narrator. Oh man. That's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, it was pretty great. Kind of dream come true stuff. Yeah, no kidding. That's awesome that it just kind of all, you know, lined up perfectly like that, especially since it was something you wanted to do from, you know, from a young age. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know how many people get to say they wanted to do something as a as a young young kid and then eventually get to do it. I mean, the astronaut part didn't work out, but the audiobook part right. comes up. <laughs> right. Sweet. So then, uh, just started doing some looking online on how to do it, and actually, there's this there's this website called ACX, which is Adam uh, Amazon Creative Exchange, and it teams up first time or new narrators with first time or new authors. And then you can audition for different for different books. And then the the author can listen to all the narration and then pick who they want. And you just kind of go from there. And it just sort of started there and just sort of grew and made connections and networked like in every industry. And uh, now it's going real well. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing either for new authors and narrators. That's because we we kind of came up the whole idea for this podcast too, was we got into audiobooks through books on tape when we were mm -hmm. younger too. Awesome. Um, and your, your options back then were far more limited than they are today, <laughs> obviously. So yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, very, yeah. it's very cool that, that it's, it gives so many people, both authors and narrators, the opportunity to even get into the game. Cause I can't imagine 
when it was books on tape, it was probably really hard to even get into the game. Yeah, that's going to be uh, agents and, and that kind of thing. You know, actually having to go into a recording studio right, like, exactly. a, like a musician and sit there, you know, with a music stand and a book, just read the book. Right. And to the end of the thing. And this is, you know, new cottage industry. And I think that's audiobooks, as as you guys especially know, it, it's a humongously booming business right now and just mm-hmm. growing exponentially every year. And having narrators be able to sit in the comfort of their own home and narrate books you can get a lot more and amazon has a lot more to sell this way right yeah yeah that actually is to everybody's benefit when that's the case you know absolutely you're, you're not limited you know we used to the way we used to even get our books is our mom had a you know she would go to the local library and she'd just bring one home you know once a week or whatever so mm-hmm. we would just snatch it up and listen to it as quick as we could so <laughs> before she took it back. Cause you only had a couple days with it before you had to give it back. So, right. 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 Yeah. We did the same, same sort of thing. Listen to it in the car. We drove all over the place for oh, different yeah. sports mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. I we, was like the, uh, the little cassette tape holder where you've got like, if it's a long book, there are like eight cassette tapes in order <laughs> and those little cutouts and it closed up. It was, yeah. Remember those. That's awesome. Yeah, sorry about that. Oh, no, you're fine. I mean, do you have a preferred genre when it comes to narrating? Or, like, do you find yourself, like, turning down any projects because you wouldn't be, like, personally interested in the content yourself? No, not yet. I'm not. I think I'm just starting to get to that point in my career where I can actually turn things down now. Um, At first, it's you just take what you get and you do the best you can with it. And it's just practice. Um, and that's, and that's fine. I certainly haven't loved everything that I've recorded so far. Um, but you need to practice so you can do, you know, on, on audible on ACX, you can put up whatever name you want. Um, so it doesn't have to be under your name. You can just, you know, come up with a pseudonym and then do a book you don't love, or it's not necessarily your style, but you need to practice. You need to just sit in a closet for six hours a day and talk to yourself into a microphone. So it doesn't really matter what that is. And it's it's good practice, actually, about trying to find motivation in characters that you don't that you aren't familiar with, that you don't connect with. Um, so it's it's all just it's just good practice. Now I'm more to the point where I can start, you know, to seeing what I think is might be iffy and and kind of passing on that. But uh, my preferred genre right now, I think I'm sort of carving out a niche for myself uh, in sort of sarcastic um Sci-fi, military sci-fi, like mm-hmm. Interstellar Gunrunner, and I'm doing Star Bounty for Rick Partlow, and it's I'm really I'm, I did Ashes of Eternity series for Jeremy Spires, and that's all the same sort of sarcastic first-person sci-fi military adventure kind of stuff. So that's I think that's my that's my big that's my wheelhouse right now. I think I mean, your voice does kind of have like a swagger to it, which I, I like. I, I I hear you, and I just think Bodie Dresick. That's just what I hear, right? Oh, and, and I can't, I can't. It's hard for me to like disassociate <laughs> that a little bit. I'm like, oh, that's that's just what you sound like to me. I feel like it's so fitting. Thank you. I really, I really connected with that series and that character in a way I haven't with anything else yet. Um, okay, and that's that. That one holds a special place in my heart. Sure. Yeah, you were a great fit on that one. We, I mean, we definitely appreciate that. Talk that up in the podcast for sure when we reviewed that. That your your voice for Bodhi was perfect for him. You definitely embodied that character very well. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. Is uh, 
as far as voice acting and stuff goes is kind of uh audiobook narration like your end goal or would you be you know trying to move into you know voice acting for tv or movies or video games or anything like that oh i absolutely am um working on that currently actually i haven't gotten any gigs yet because it is incredibly competitive and it's oh, I bet. incredibly hard to do to, to break into uh, and that one does require like agents and and that kind of stuff so yeah sure. i'm getting some demos going and and that kind of thing um and kind of training up on that because it's from what i can tell wildly different than audiobook narrating so it's sure. it's a whole it's a whole learning curve i haven't started really reached the top on yet are you trying to get into to like uh, shows or video games or? Oh, I would, I would. I'm in Seattle, and so massive video game industry up here, and I would, sure. I would mm-hmm. love to do some video game voices for sure. Oh but, yeah. Uh, I mean, kind of like with starting on audiobooks. Right now, I'll take whatever just to, to see where it, see where it goes, see what sure. I can do. Yeah, no, and that's and that's awesome, and that's awesome that you're able to even even just by, you know, saying you'll take whatever, but you're still very much. So I think making a name for yourself by stacking these titles up under your belt. That's really cool. Thank you. Thank you. I'm trying. (laughs) Do you like set, like when you get a book, do you, do you like partition part of it off? Like, okay, Monday, I'm going to do this bit Tuesday. I'm going to do this bit. And like, or do you just set like a time? Like, okay, I made it this far and I'm done for the day. Uh, I do uh, page counts depending on, what the what the uh, formatting of the book is i try to do 40 to 50 pages a day uh recording and that usually ends up 15 to twenty thousand words uh so that's that's how i try to partition it up um and then during so i guess i actually step back a little bit there's there's two parts to this you got to prep the book ahead of time and then you have to record it and you can do both at the same time you can be recording one book and prepping the next one in a series like i'm doing right now with with star bounty um so, you know, you'll set a certain amount of time during the day to prep the next 50, 60, 100 pages. And then the next four to six hours, you'll sit in the booth and or I'll sit in the booth and, and record 40, 50, 60, 70 pages. So that's that's sort of how that works. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. So okay. you, so you read ahead quite a bit then, obviously. So, you know, oh, you have to coming up. Oh, you have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we talked to Bronson Pinchot and he doesn't do that at all. <laughs> Which is which yeah. blows my mind. I mean, he's I know he's been doing this a lot longer than you have, but personally I find that like baffling that you could just bust it out like that. You know, every every narrator is gonna have their own way of doing things. Um for me, I I find I can get through more and faster and I can kind of delve in and understand the characters a little better if I prep it ahead of time. And uh, you know, using an, an annotation thing in my iPad, I can I'll color different voices for different characters so I know what it is and I don't have to look too far ahead when I'm reading. Mm-hmm. That's very Excuse smart. Me. And then, uh, so it's just easy to go through through different characters. I mean, Bronson's been doing, been acting since I was, I don't know, 10. So he's, <laughs> yeah. the dude's, the dude's, you know, he's a pro. So I'm not, I'm not super surprised that he, that he doesn't do that. Cause I'm sure he just, he, you know, he can recognize the characters for what they're supposed to be and just sort of do them. Yeah, I mean, he has over 500 titles under his belt just on Audible alone. So, yeah, yeah. he's got a little bit of practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, not a fair comparison to make. Not not quite yet. Give me give me a couple of years. Yeah, we'll be like say. six months and you'll be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and start. Yeah, let's go. You're right. I mean, I think, I think the, what you just described would be if this was something I was doing, 
I would do exactly what you do. That, that sounds like the work schedule or, you know, the process I would go through as well. I'd want to know just a little ways ahead what's going on so I can kind of mentally prepare for what I need to be reading as well as character distinguishing as well. I think that's that makes the most sense to me also. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I've actually been in a position where I didn't read ahead far enough before I started recording a book and then realized near the end of the book, when the author was doing the description, you know, a more thorough description on one of the two main characters, oh, she's a lot older than I thought she was. So I had to go back and re-record her entire voice on oh, all man. of her lines for the entire book because the author actually wanted her 10 to 15 years older than I was portraying her. Oh, wow. That's that's not fun. That's just a waste of time. So I'd rather get all of that out, you know, out of the way ahead of time. So I don't have to go re-record an entire book. Which yeah. is not a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially when that's, yeah. I mean, if that's part of your livelihood, for sure, you don't want to have to do it more than once. No, no, no. Time, timing is, is important. I've got enough booked out ahead of time that if I'm not hitting the marks all the time, I'm going to, someone's going to be late somewhere and someone's not going to be happy. Sure. <laughs> So with your, you said you had some uh, acting in your background as well. Yeah. What, uh, so what, what did that entail? I was a music theater actor um, okay. here in Seattle, a little bit in New York. Um, and yeah, just, I was a professional music theater actor, you know, living Very off cool. that, which was, which was, which was fun in my twenties, in my early twenties. It, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Right. Um, I, I don't know where the energy came for that now, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's, I did that a lot of. Being on stage, I, I did some emceeing. I'm an MC now a little bit. Um, you know, just being on stage, singing, acting, dancing, the whole, the whole fun, the whole thing, which uh, really is good training for, for audiobooks, honestly, because you got some pretty far out there characters and being able to practice in front of 5,000 people and not making an idiot out of yourself or being okay with making an idiot out of yourself in front of 5,000 people. It's, it's even easier to do that in just by yourself in a closet with a uh, microphone. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah, it sounds like that would be very good prep. Uh, it sounds like that would be far more difficult than recording an audiobook for sure. <laughs> well, I'll say, I would say yes and no. Uh, it's two, I would just say there's two different, what, um, toolboxes you need for those things. Oh, okay, sure. One with being fine with being in front of, you know, five-ish thousand people and singing and dancing and depending on what show you're doing how much clothing you have on and then <laughs> and then being okay with sitting in a in a booth by yourself for four to six hours a day and being completely alone and and that being okay it it takes some it takes some getting used to but it's but it's what i love to do now so yeah that's awesome that you've uh oh, yeah i just think it's so cool to hear like Cause we, I mean, we kind of asked, you know, guys like Bronson and stuff, but again, like you said, Bronson, that was kind of his acting and stuff like that. It seemed like almost, he acted like it was like a natural fit to just slide right into doing audiobooks. So it is really, it's so cool to hear kind of your starting out. And especially since it was so recent, I mean, that's, it's pretty inspiring to be honest to hear. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's, it's, yeah, like I said, dream come true kind of situation. I didn't think right. I'd ever be in this position. And then when you first start out, you got all those self doubts and can I really do this? And that, that very first book, when you're sitting there reading to yourself and you're like, I really, someone's going to pay me to do this. I'm just, <laughs> I'm talking into a microphone by myself. And it's, I, and then the worst part, at least for me, listening to yourself back 
for the first time. Like you have to go and listen to everything you just did right. and edit it and proofread it and all that kind of fun stuff. So no one in my experience loves hearing their own voice. And, but when you're doing this, you have to listen to your own voice, whether you want to or not. So getting over that little hump was, was kind of fun too. Sure. Oh yeah. I've, I mean, we've been through that just a little bit. Because oh, we, of course you have. Yeah. yeah we yeah. usually, I mean, we usually don't do a lot of editing or anything like that, but I we've had a couple hiccups in the past. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we've had a couple of hiccups in the past where the internet wasn't so good. So I had to take both layers and layer it back together. So I had to sit and listen to the whole hour long episode. And yeah. the whole time I'm just like, uh, is that really what I sound like? Is that how people hear me? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then you're thinking, or at least when you're recording it, it's like, that's you, you think you you how your voice is coming out a specific way in a specific kind of character. Yeah. And then you listen to it back. And, oh, that didn't play at all. Right. You think you're just emoting like great, just tons of energy. And no, you might as well just be in a library talking to yourself. <laughs> it's kind of frustrating. We thought that was uh, that was an interesting little bit of insight too that we've gotten from a couple other people we talked to is that when it comes to audiobook narration versus acting or some other form like that, you're pretty much stuck because even if you think the way something is written isn't written very well or maybe not how you would have said it, mm -hmm. your job is not to determine that right your job is just to read the lines as they're put in front of you pretty much that is exactly it yeah it's like we were talking about before with books you might not completely connect with or love sure um that's why you gotta you gotta do the ones you don't love because other it's it's great practice for trying to get into the author's head or the character the, the character's head uh, of where the author wants that character to go whether you think it should go there or not it's not up to you i I know I'm not talented enough to write a book. I'm throwing that out there. That's, I'm not, I can't do that. They're way more talented at me than coming up with characters that they want. It's just my job to try to figure out what that is and take it from their perspective and what they want it to be, not what I want it to be. Sure. Well, and that's, I mean, and that, I feel like at least from our perspective, that stuff comes across as well. I mean, even if you are maybe less experienced than a lot of other guys might be, you definitely, you can tell you're putting these, you're, you're trying to embody these characters as they come up. And that comes across to us as the listeners is that you are putting your, you know, you're all into these characters. It, because it very well comes across with a lot of other books we've listened to when someone's just phoning it in and they're just reading the lines as written characters be damned. Doesn't matter. That stuff comes across as well. So Oh, thank you. I, I, I'm with you. I've, I've definitely heard books where the, the narrator feels like it sounds like they'd rather be doing anything else other than reading that book. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it's like, oh, no, you've got a paycheck coming, so you got to do it, but you don't want to do this book. Right. Yeah. So one of the fun parts of being sort of new is I can just sort of pick and choose, I guess. <laughs> that's one reason we kind of started our podcast, too, is uh, hopefully to weed some of that stuff out, not, not let that stuff slide through the cracks as often. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. <laughs> I, I think I've got to commend you guys that having an audiobook uh, podcast, that is not a, a common thing. It's you're one of the first that I can find. That's impressive. Well, we, uh, we appreciate that. And we kind of just kicked the idea around because we thought, you know, a lot of people do book review podcasts or videos or what have you. And we thought, well, 
neither one of us likes to read at all but we, we <laughs> i don't know how <laughs> but we we like to listen to audiobooks i mean that's one of i mean i don't know if a day goes by when i don't have something on at least you know as far as audiobooks um and we thought the same thing we thought there's uh, nobody's reviewing them as an audiobook form which to us was kind of important because not only do we not really enjoy reading but it's finding those books that you can listen to on a daily basis or while you're working or what have you, that was kind of a, that was kind of where the whole idea came from. So that's a great idea. Definitely a vacuum in the market. So thumbs up on, on filling that, filling that void. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, we really appreciate it. Yeah. I think <laughs> we wanted something kind of unique too. We didn't just want to be like lost in the sea of podcasts that are just like, you know, comedy based, just two dudes hanging out. Right, we, yeah, and we kind of wanted a, dire- of a direction to take that we both felt confident in because we, I've been, we both been listening to audiobooks pretty much like as soon as uh, probably like since I was like five or six, like my wow. pretty much our whole lives. So I, I mean, this is an area I feel pretty confident in. Like I, I kind of know what's good and what's bad, at least mm-hmm. to my taste. Sure. Well, that's why people listen to you, right? Because you have an opinion, and you know, opinions are good to have, and everyone's got them. So strong opinions. Well, uh, what is it? Strong opinions loosely held, or something like that. Sounds good to me. <laughs> we, uh, and I mean, we've also been kind of branching off a little bit lately. You know, we do some anime stuff and we've been kicking around the idea of doing some video game stuff. But again, because I mean, we both love video games, but mm-hmm. the market is flooded with that stuff. Oh my so, god, <laughs> you know, it's you, everybody else, it seems like, is doing that. So we, yeah, we kind of thought if we, try to at least carve out this little bit of a niche for ourselves and stick with it, I think is because I mean, it's not like we're super popular or anything, but these were conversations we were going to have regardless of whether or not we were recording it. So it all just kind of worked out. That's awesome. So uh, Roger Clark must've been like Christmas for you guys on, uh, on the black badge series. Yeah, that was, that was really, really cool. <laughs> like, still kind of can't believe that we got, like, early access. It still kind of blows my mind. And That's yeah, awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, it was really cool. So Yeah, we've sh- had, I mean, <clears throat> even for being such a small podcast, we've had some very, very fortunate things happen to us so far. Even, even just with you offering to give us, you know, grant us early access to books, to us is, that's like, you know, Christmas morning gifts. Yeah, it's so sure. awesome. <laughs> the, the genuine glee that that gives me, I think can't really be expressed. Oh, fantastic. I'll make sure you're on my, uh, my mailing list going forward then. That's awesome. <laughs> That's yeah. We really, really appreciate that stuff. That's sure. that was just kind of the icing on top, you know, as far as doing this podcast. So it seems like a great reason to do it all on its own. Free audiobooks, please. Give me. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Give the fat kid some candy, please. <laughs> <laughs> so who are some narrators you guys like right now? That's funny you asked that. We were actually talking last week about doing our top five here soon. Oh, um, so give me give me a few. You know, I, I don't want to like you know. Bronson Pinchot, uh, obviously. Yeah. I like Oliver Wyman is great. Mm-hmm. uh scott brick also oh, yeah. fantastic what am i listening to right I mean, now? jeff jeff clark was was really good as far as what he did in the in the black badge series yeah I, I feel like that's not fair though because he's freaking he's in red he's Dead Redemption. He, yeah exactly yeah. he's like the perfect <laughs> cowboy it's it's cheating <laughs> 
Yeah, those are great. I love I love Scott Brick, um, especially out of of the ones you you mentioned there. Uh, wow. Have you heard his heard his uh, Dead Wake? I don't think I have. But the no, Sinking of the Lusitania, you should. It's fantastic. That's the one that really, uh, that's the one of his that really got me hooked on on his uh, on his uh, on him as a narrator. Sure. His name comes up a lot if you scroll through Reddit or any of those other things oh, yeah. and, and see, you know, people ask who's who's a good narrator to listen to. His name almost always is in people's top three. So oh, absolutely. He's uh, yeah, he's like the guy. He's he's the famous guy. <laughs> we almost had him it. on the podcast. Oh, almost. That would be a hell of a get right there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We, uh, yeah, I was having a back and forth with his, I guess she's like his secretary or something. And we right. actually had it scheduled for him to come on and, it. and the day came up and I say that we were kind of in the same spot where I'm like waiting for a zoom contact or something like that. And nothing ever happened. Uh, and I emailed her and I said, Hey, you know, I thought today was supposed to be the day. And she said, well, you never emailed me back like you were supposed to, uh, but that's not what happened. She was supposed <laughs> to email me his contact stuff and she never did. So oh, it just, just kind of went by the wayside, but yeah, I'm we were, about that. we were close. I mean, Oh, trust me. Don't be sorry because we, we put these feelers out. I mean, honestly, I just put lines out everywhere and I hope it catch something. So sure. <laughs> cool. it, the, the fact that we've even had, you know, uh, Bronson Pinchot and Oliver Wyman on the podcast was insane because Oliver Wyman was the first one I reached out to and he immediately was like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, yeah, I was like, wait, what? Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, like, hang on. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, well let's, let's talk afterwards. Ask people, they will come on. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't love talking about themselves? I mean, come yeah. on. Right? <laughs> I guess I never looked at it that way. <laughs> and, it, you know, it's, fun promotion for for what we're doing get your name out there a little bit and get to talk to two two dudes who are really into audiobooks that's i mean what's what's better <laughs> that's awesome uh have you guys heard of george guadal at all maybe I he's like the godfather of this industry he's got over a thousand uh books he's been around forever like he did uh stephen pressfield's gates of fire which if you haven't listened to, you need to, it's outstanding, oh. Oh, but he's I been doing this. Like list. he's been doing this since uh, we were all listening to audiobooks when they were on tape back in the eighties. Oh, wow. Yeah. We'll definitely have to check that out. He's outstanding. I, I like Roy Detrice too. I, I, I know he's not around anymore, but like his early work in the, in the game of Thrones is, is so good. Oh, that's him. Oh mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And I mean, a couple of the books that I have, no, nobody else can even get anymore because they they like they do they swap the narrators on them. Hmm. Yeah, that's always a fun little game. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird sometimes. We, we've run into that a couple times. Like there are, are versions that we have that are older that like the general public can't get a hold of anymore. Right, like the R.C. Bray Martian that got re-recorded with mm -hmm. uh, Will Wheaton. Yeah. 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 We also have the the old Dexter books from the beginning that were recorded by Nick Landrum, which get you can no here. longer get a hold of anymore <laughs> <laughs> because uh, the author went back and thought, decided he did a better job at recording it. So he re-recorded all of the old ones. And now oh, that's Lord. the only one you can get. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a funnily common, common thing. I'm actually speaking of Bronson. Um, he did a few books in the Cerberus series. Um, 
what's the author on that? That is Andy Pelequin. They did like the first two books of 12 for Athon. And then I'm re-recording those, those and the oh. rest of the series. That'll oh, no be, way. Uh, next year. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I'm not really sure what happened there, but hey, works for me. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. And he's not, not, he's not exactly hurting for work. So no. Yeah. <laughs> So do you, did you like listen to Bronson Pinchot's performances to see how he voiced the characters and see like kind of what you would change or are you just kind of like coming at it clean slate and just approaching it how you would always approach a book? It's, I, I, yeah, I'm not listening to his version of it at all. I don't want it colored. Um, I'm sure he did a fantastic job. He always does. Uh, but it's, if I'm going to do it, I need to do it from, from my perspective and how I see the characters. So no, I'm not going to listen to him. I'll just uh, prep them like any other book. And if uh, the producer on it likes it, great, I'll go forward. And if not, then I'll change some things up. Yeah, I, that sounds like probably the best move. Yeah, to not front load yourself with the way he did it for sure. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm sure he did a, a fantastic job with it. But if uh, they want it re-recorded, then I'll, I'm just going to do it my way. One of the... Uh... This is an interesting one, too. I find one of our earliest kind of books we listened to was the Harry Potter series when it first mm -hmm. came out on tape, the yep. Jim Dale recordings. Heck yeah. That guy's uh, yeah, that's yeah, for sure. These, but I, I noticed a lot of people say because I feel I think um, somebody else recorded it as well. The whole series um, can't think of the name off the top of my head, but it was also I see that happen a lot on Reddit and stuff where people uh, cite the other narrator and I'm like I've never even heard that one but you guys are missing out if you've never listened to Jim Dale <laughs> I yeah. mean Stephen Fry was it Stephen yes Fry? yes yeah. that's exactly who it was yeah, yeah, yeah. which that, I mean yeah, I'm sure he does a good job but yeah that dude's I mean, a god too he's he's been around forever he's amazing right but yeah the Jim Dale version like uh, book four the Goblet of Fire you know he got a world record for the amount of audiobook voices or amount of voices in character voices in one audiobook for that really yeah, yeah. Oh, i guess wow. that does make sense with the two other schools there sure yeah it's yeah that dude uh, it's just amazing something to strive for right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that's there you go that's what you can look forward to becoming one of these days there, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes guinness guinness book of world records for audiobook voices <laughs> i don't know how anyone tops tops dale on that but what the heck just uh so Kind of keeping it all in the loop here a little bit. You've mentioned uh, that you play D and D as well. Is that Me? right? No, no. My my son does. Your son oh, does. Okay. My son's oh. very into Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. So, do you, do you play with him? I mean, that's I guess that's what I assumed when you uh, when you were saying that. Is that uh, is that like a weekly thing you guys do? No, no. He's got um, no. He's got his own club, and he has like two separate campaigns going at one time with different groups and, and that kind of stuff. But no, I, I used to work for wizards of the coast, but, oh, uh, what? Oh yeah. But I, I never, I'm, I've never honestly really gotten into D and D really. Oh, yeah. Okay. See, see, I, okay. I misunderstood when you had emailed me that one time saying that on, on Friday that your son was playing. I just, I assumed you meant that you oh, were part of the game. Got it. No, 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 no. Oh, I, I understand. No, we had, we hosted a, uh, we hosted a D and D. He has a, a weekly D and D club that he, that he, plays with and we were hosting it at our house that that time so oh, trying to do okay. a podcast with you guys up here gotcha. with you know a bunch of 12 year olds downstairs yelling at each other was not going to work too well <laughs> well dang it that 
that just derails my question line of questioning I had, but that's no, all bring right. it. Bring oh, it. I want to hear what, I I just, hear what you're going to ask. Well, we, cause we, I mean, we, uh, we more recently kind of got into D and D because when we were younger, we, you know, we just assumed it was a bunch of nerds, you know, playing, <laughs> playing <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons, like a bunch of nerds yeah. doing that. But it just a few years ago, we kind of got into D and D as well. And, uh, crazy fun i mean we've had so much fun doing it and one of a lot of people's kind of introduction to D these days you know is from the critical role podcast mm-hmm. um and i was just curious what your take on that was as far as you know they are this group of voice actors obviously playing these characters and I was just going to, I was curious if you played, if voice acting was something you did while you played as well. That's a really good question. I'm, I'm now I'm really sorry. I'm not into D and D and can't really <laughs> answer that too well. Um, I would say that if I was doing that, yeah, I probably would. I mean, any opportunity to do fun character voices, why the hell not? Sure. Yeah. That's uh. Well, I guess you'll have to you'll have to see if you can if it's something you could get into because yeah we're we're big nerds now into playing it so <laughs> we we are the nerds now yeah why not yeah is it is it really even nerdy anymore like I know so many so many people playing it like I'm in my forties right. and there I know plenty of other guys in my in their forties still playing this oh yeah no and I think it's it's far less stigmatized now than it's ever been just which is kind of the way things have gotten with the internet you know the information is just so much more easily accessible so i think it is much less stigmatized now absolutely and then you've got shows like stranger things where it's like a main you know foundation of the uh, of the entire show right and it actually has um stranger things has actually this guy i was watching a video the other day this guy was showing um google searches for dungeons and dragons fifth edition and it was like with the release of each season of stranger things the search peaked so because of the show more and more people are definitely maybe not necessarily playing it but they are showing much more interest in it than they have in the past so cool that's good anything that brings people together face to face to 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 talk about things and play games together and not have it be on a screen i am absolutely in favor of Right. And we, because we, you know, my brother and I live in different places. And even uh, when he lived over in Denver, um, we actually were able to play online these days, which is, it is still kind of nice that you can have that interaction. And we've used a couple different websites though, that allow us to still have characters on screen and I can make maps on screen and all this kind of stuff. That's uh, so it, it definitely still brings people together too, even, even if you do have to have a screen in between you. <laughs> Absolutely. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's it really is pretty, good. It is pretty cool. Very, very cool. Have you checked out uh, Critical Role at all, just out of curiosity? No, I haven't, no. Yeah. yeah but honestly, I'm going to now. Well, I don't know if you're missing a whole lot in my opinion. <laughs> but... <laughs> just, I mean, to me, it, it, it is almost a bit of a bummer because a few other people who we've gotten in our group, you know, they come from, they started out by watching that show or listening to it as a podcast. Mm-hmm. And so then they come to play with us. And when we started, I hadn't even watched that show. And then I get the, well, in critical role, they do it like this and in critical role. And I'm like, this is not critical role. Okay. <laughs> we are playing our game. Okay. Right. Can you chill a little bit? Right, right, right. 
I cannot do voices like the voice actors can do as the DM. So please give me a break. <laughs> hey, do you guys ever uh, listen to the Litperg book or Lit RPG books? Audio no. Books? Oh, if you're no. into if you're into that kind of stuff, you should. That's kind of it's perfect. Okay. Yeah, and Athon actually me. has ask ask Rhett um, for some codes or something. There there's so many Lit RPG books out there. Really? Oh my gosh! It's an oh, okay. it's a massively growing industry. Yeah. Definitely. I, I guess I've listened to kind of one like the Legend of Drizzt. I think is probably along the same lines. Okay. Did you like it? Uh yeah. It's it's yeah. I mean, he's it, like is am I, I'm pronouncing that right, Ryan? Is is it Drizzt? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, those I mean, are the R.A. Salvatore. Salvatore. Yeah, he's like, oh, a yeah, running, yeah, yeah. like a running D&D character. Totally. Yeah, there's a there's tons of those kinds of books. Tons and tons. I'll have to check that out. And you said Rhett might be the one to be able to get those, huh? Yeah, Athon uh, is really building themselves on those. Those and fantasy and sci-fi. And for anyone listening who doesn't know, Athon Audio or Athon Publishing is a uh, a publishing company out of Texas, I believe, that does a lot of... Uh, they're new. They're they're an independent uh, book company, uh, but they're growing really, really fast. And they do a lot of audiobooks as well. And they specialized in they specialize in lit RPG and sci-fi and fantasy. Awesome. Yeah, definitely all stuff right up our alley. So there you go. Have you Have had you, the uh, opportunity to do like a full cast audiobook yet, where like each character is individually voiced? I have. Oh, actually. you have? Yeah, this, this past January. It's not out yet. Um, actually, I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say about it. Oh, so we'll if, if, you don't, if you can't talk about it, that's all good. Oh, no, I, I'm curious. sure I can. I just want to be kind of vague about it. It's with uh, my first uh, Amazon or Audible original, and that's a, it's a full cast, and that'll be – should be out pretty soon, I hope. It's called uh, No Kindness Too Soon. It was a lot of fun to work on. It's challenging because we all recorded it from – different studios all around the country at the same time but it was like a, an audio drama kind of situation it was it was a really fantastic experience and I, I can't wait for the next one honestly we'll have to check that out um because we've in the past we feel like uh full cast stuff is very hit or miss in our opinion yes. so i'll be curious to to see how that went i think in my in my opinion a lot of it has to do with chemistry between sure. between the actors um, and if, if the book has a lot of chemistry and if you guys are all on the same page, feeding off the same, feeding off the same energy, whatever, um, then it works fantastic. And I think the one we just did, uh, is, is going to be really, really good. Um, oftentimes also just in my opinion, um, you can have a lot of celebrities who maybe aren't audiobook people, um, just doing it because, Hey, it's a big celebrity name and why the mm -hmm. hell not? Sure. But they don't really they don't get audiobooks so they don't do a lot of voiceover stuff or they don't, or it's weird to sit in a studio by themselves and talk to nobody really. Um, and that, that can feel a little funky. That can, that comes to me, that comes off as a little clunky. Sometimes you can tell people are doing it just because they're yeah. doing it. Not, not because they love it, but I think, I think this one that's, that's going to come out really is going to be fantastic. It felt really good at the time. So is that, when you do a full cast like that and you're saying, you know, you guys obviously choose your own recording studios. Is it something where you just kind of, you record your lines and then the other person records their lines and so on and so forth. And then an editor puts them all together at the end. 
Sort of, kind of. Um, everybody's recording themselves, but you can hear everybody else at the same time. So, okay, that was, it, yeah, okay, that was my next Yeah, question. imagine like the old radio, like 1920s, everyone's standing around a microphone talking. Right. And everyone has their own parts, but just sort of split up. So everyone's still doing that, but everyone is recording themselves. And then we all sure. send that into the editor. So we still play against each other. Um, and have energy and reaction and character choices, motivation, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, sure. But but then the editor eventually puts it all together from your recordings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I was you'll just do like different takes. Yeah. Sorry about that. Because, uh, well, I just, I feel like I've listened to a couple where it almost seemed like everybody was just reading their lines on their own, not hearing the other people. And then an editor puts it together at the end because it, I've definitely heard full casts where, it didn't sound like the other person had a clue what, you know, the person before <laughs> them had said and it, the tones yeah. are completely off. And so that, that's very cool to hear that you guys were at least all, it was more like you're all kind of sitting around a room recording it together. Yeah. That's, that's what this one was. I, I have no doubt that what you're talking about was absolutely true. They probably mm -hmm. just got their lines and recorded them and sent them in. Right. Um, that seems like a lot easier, honestly, for the, for the publishing company. And I'm sure it is, but it definitely, the final product though, I think that definitely comes across because I've heard some pretty, pretty bad, you know, full casts. So, yeah. <laughs> and it it's unfortunate. Miss, yeah. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because at least when you, when you hear these ones that are really good, it's almost as if you have a movie just kind of playing in the background, mm -hmm. you know, if you have the added sounds and things like that, it's, it can be a really, really cool experience. So when they, when they kind of just phone them in, it is kind of a bummer in my opinion. I agree. Agreed. You will have to check that one out when your guys' comes out too. Yeah. I'll let you know if, if I get any codes, which I, I kind of doubt that it will, but either way, I'll let you know when it's out. Yeah. At least let us know when it, when it's released so we can check it out for sure. Happily. What do you uh just out of curiosity then Garrett what do you do on your uh when you're not working and recording what's your what's your downtime stuff uh parenting there's a lot <laughs> I've got I, I know the feeling of that one sure <laughs> oh, yeah. congratulations uh yeah there's a lot of, a lot of parenting a lot of uh oh, normal yeah. you know house stuff uh fun I exercise a lot like I do triathlons and stuff and then oh. uh it just took my son backpacking so a lot of you know, you're in the Pacific or in the Pacific Northwest, so you got to take advantage of that. So do a, do a lot of outdoor stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's not a whole lot of time these days for, I mean, coming off the whole pandemic and everything, it's just, it feels weird to try to get back into this is work time and this is play time. It just all sure. sort of melds together into this conglomeration of, you know, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there of doing whatever. Um which is a very long-winded answer of saying I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I it's it's funny you say that because I feel like I, my answer is the same to some people. Yeah, when they're like, "What do you do for fun?" Yeah, after the pandemic, you kind of like, I guess I just kind of sit around the house like I did. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what it is. Yeah. Sometimes I turn the TV on. Sometimes I fire up a video game, like you uh -huh. said, for about 15, 20 minutes. Then I'm like, yeah. eh, I guess I'll go find something else to do for yeah, a while. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> is it Friday? Is it Saturday? Who knows? It's all the same. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. <laughs> That's cool, though, that you... Uh, how long have you lived in Seattle? Oh, I've been here for almost 30 years. Oh, wow. Right on. Mm, yeah, yeah we both... 93. Cool. 
we both we both grew up in eastern oregon so we're not super far away from there and we have oh, cool. family that lives up in that area so where in where ish in oregon uh you know where Legrand is i do yeah so we both grew up right outside Legrand. oh fantastic yeah and then we have uh we have family that lives up in tacoma so we definitely oh. know that area that you're at oh yeah well mm-hmm. absolutely spent a lot of time at tacoma right <laughs> how long have you guys been doing this podcast Oh man! Uh, when we record our first episode, almost three years ago now. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, our Starship awesome. Troopers was our very first episode we recorded. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that we, is really uh, great. There's talk about it. I, I haven't. I honestly haven't listened to the audiobook on that. But that movie, man, that's that's one of those that uh, it felt silly at the time. But then it just sort of gets better with age, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Like it becomes oh, yeah. more relevant as it gets older. It's yeah, it's good stuff. The interesting thing too is that the the movie is not very similar to the book. No kidding. Yeah, it's actually yeah, they're way different. Yeah, they actually are very different. But <laughs> it's, right. it, it's very interesting. They took a lot of creative liberties on the movie, but mm. in a very good way. The the two. I feel like it's a situation where the two, even though they share a name, they stand uh, very well on their own, even though they share the same name, um, which is not always the case. You know, sometimes, sometimes the, uh, the saying is always, Oh, the book is better. But I feel like in this case, because they're so different, they both stand super good apart as well. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. I have to now have to check out the audiobook. That's, that's cool stuff. Yeah. Definitely check it out because it, they are two very different stories for the most part. So you do get two different experiences. Is it still like that? Mil- <clears throat> excuse me. That sort of militarized like civilian population. And you can only become a, a citizen if you join the military and, and all that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Cool. That, that stuff is definitely where they got most of the inspiration for the movie, but then the movie is definitely more of a kind of, you know, riffing on the way things, the idea of that. Mm-hmm. Whereas the book is much more serious about it. <laughs> that makes sense. It's serious and kind of like glorifying it, I guess. And the book sure. is a lot more about like kind of like the mundane in and outs of like him taking care of his power armor than like hmm. actually going out and fighting the bugs. Huh. All right, cool. I'll have to check that out. That sounds fun. Yeah. And it's, it's more it, a little more interesting too, because in the book they are not just bugs like they are in the movie they are i you know what starcraft is the game starcraft absolutely okay so we feel like starcraft where they got the kind of initial take on it was Mm -hmm. much more from the book of starship troopers with the terran obviously being the humans and then the zerg and protoss being a split of the kind of bugs that they fight in the actual book Look at you just pulling those words out of your mouth. That's awesome. <laughs> We're nerds. Uh, yeah. Again, huge nerds. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, not at all. Dude. That, that's awesome. I wish I had recall like that. That's that's a good stuff. Cool deal. What else can I tell you? Mm, I, I wanted to ask you, like, I know you do a lot of these, like, space globe trotting adventures how, how do you find a voice for like an alien race that would have no reference point that is a real good question um how have i done that in the past um you just sort of treat it like any other 
character, to be honest. It's you don't look at the outside or sort of the wrapping of what you think it might look at. You look at what their motivation is. What do they what do they want? What's going on with their with their race, with their planet? Is it is it in danger? Is it blowing up? Do they need to take over this other planet because they're all dying out or because they're a bunch of assholes? I don't know. Mm. But it's it for me, it becomes much more about the motivations of the character. This is such a douchey thing to say, but it's true. <laughs> the motivation behind the character and what what they actually want and why. And then at the end, you can throw a, sort of throw on the the frills at the end, right? The, if you want to make it sound more like a bird or more like a lizard or or something like that, it's it's much easier when the author says, you know, describes it as as a, as, as bird like or as octopus like or whatever, and then you can sort of go from there. But if it's if there's nothing specific said about what the author see, how the author sees that character, or how he sees, or he or she sees the voice of that character, you just sort of do what you can to kind of go from the motivation and what what is the history of that race and that planet and what what does that look like and what would it be to live there and how what the size of the thing. So it's just any other character really. You just don't think about it in terms of what it's going to look like at the end, but. You got to build it up from the inside. It really surprises me you don't play D and D because your world building is so good. <laughs> I mean, you'd thank make you. an amazing DM to be honest. Oh. Well, thank you. I'll ask my son about that. <laughs> These guys said I'd be good at this, so I'm taking over. <laughs> the fact that you also have a, you know, if you have a 12 year old who already has a group that's into playing. Yeah. Uh, you you automatically already have a group built. That's our biggest problem is finding people to play with. So Oh, got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> um, yeah, not a problem up here. Just out of curiosity sure. then when you're when you're setting up those voices has there ever been a time where you kind of you maybe record a couple lines and then you shoot it over to the producer or whoever and say how did this sound? You know, any thoughts, you know. Yeah. So how that goes is you do the first 15 minutes of a book at least on ACX and it's just sort of industry standard from what I can tell now. Um, it, you'll record, you'll do the whole thing, ask any questions, the author or producer will give you the answers to whatever questions you have. So that's kind of the prep stuff that you take care of ahead of time. So they know, you know, so you know how to say specific words, what characters are supposed to sound like, their backstories, all that, all that kind of stuff. Some authors are really, really great at it and give you really long detailed characterizations of everything going on in the book. And that helps immensely. And some are like, eh, I don't know, just do it like that, I guess. Or <laughs> think of it in terms of specific actors or actresses. And that, that, that can work too. Um, sure. What do you find is easier if they tell you how to do it or if they let you run with it? Uh, the more detail I can get on how the author sees their characters, the better for me. Right. Yeah, that's what uh, I would think. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm sort of like halfway through and like questions like, oh, I can't really go back and ask now because then I have to go back and redo everything. Right. Um, <laughs> right. So you just sort of, you know, and that's frankly, that's why they hire professionals. So they have their version of it and then the producer can have their version of it and then the narrator can have their version of it. Um, so you'll send in the 15 minutes and the first 15 minutes and they say, yay, no, yes, but with, you know, these changes. And you kind of go from there. It's just sort of understood that once it's in the narrator's hands, it's ours now. Like you can have your characterizations and your way of looking at it. But after you give us all the information, we kind of run it through our little algorithm in our head. This is how it's going to turn out. And because that's how I see it. And that's how I can perform it, perform it best. 
Right. Well, and I mean, obviously, I would think at some point, too, you have to be able to the author's got to realize that maybe not every narrator can do 30 unique voices. I mean, at some point there has to be a (laughs) little bit of like, okay, yeah, that'll work. You know, even though I had 30 characters in my head, I do got to remember you're just one guy. So, yeah, 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 that is, that is a thing. And interestingly enough, the more experienced authors understand that like they, Oh, sure. They will understand it. The new authors who have this amazing story in their head and they try to get it down they think that you should be able to do all these different characters. And if, if you don't do it exactly how they see it in their head, that it's wrong. Um, and that, yeah, that I've been in that situation that can create all kinds of problems. Oh, I bet. Yeah. But, yeah. Normally with the, the experienced authors it it they're, they're more understanding about it and they frankly do their characters a little better just because they're, they're been doing it longer. Sure. Hmm. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I did a couple young adult uh, Halloween anthologies a couple years in a row, and that was that was an experience. They, they think they turned out really well, and they sold relatively well. But you know, these are authors who they're first time authors, honestly, and they so they see things a certain way, and I see things a certain way, and they want a level of detail that I just it is physically impossible for me to give, and that's just it is what it is. Yeah, that seems like it would be a little bit of a challenge if somebody, like I said, they they expect you to be a full cast on your own. It's yeah. not probably not going to happen most of the time. <laughs> no. <laughs> you find yourself gravitating towards books with more characters or less characters. Not that you really have any say in it, but I mean, is it I- better when you come across a book where there's maybe four or five main characters versus they're going to be talking to 50 different people throughout the story. Yeah. I, I love, I love characters. Give me as many as I can, as I can get oh, right on. I love doing nice. the voices. I love doing the whole thing. Um, I try to make them all come across separately. It doesn't always work, uh, especially with the female voices for me uh, is, is a little, a little tough. There's only so much I can do um, being a dude. And uh, yeah. So, you know, you do the best you can with it, but it's, Again, go go from the motivation of what each character wants, not necessarily, you know, the surface level stuff. And then hopefully, usually, the character voice will sort of come out of that. But yeah, as many characters I can get, I love them. Yeah, that's awesome. Which is, I mean, good, because hopefully most stories will have a lot of characters to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the character conversations and action stuff is is a lot more fun for me than sort of the expository explanation for 20 pages of what this particular planet looked like oh, sure. years ago. Right. That, that can get kind of dry. <laughs> but there's some had... people who, who really kill it with that stuff, like nonfiction. There's, there's narrators who do nothing but nonfiction and textbooks, and I am in awe of, of people that can do that. Yeah, that seems like it would be a little hard to kind of stay excited for (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly yeah it's tough it is tough we reviewed one book where there was there was only two characters in the whole thing whoa it it was actually a sci-fi book and right wasn't that it bo there was only two characters through the whole thing oh man what was that called I can't even think of it off the top of my head. Like the descent or something like that. Hang on. Uh, No, it was the the luminous dead. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Which had a super cool title, uh, but 
Yeah, two characters through the entire book. That's it. My Which lord. Is, yeah, and we we kind of went easy on the narrator because we didn't think she had enough, you know, to even go off of. I mean, sure. you know, it wasn't necessarily her fault that there's only two two voices and they're both female of the same age. So it's oh not God. really her fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got you to gotta give us something to work with. Exactly. Well, yeah. And we think she did the best she possibly could with what she was given. So. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, it's that that can that can get tough when you have characters very similar to each other in age or nationality or whatever, and it's yeah, that can get a little tough to try to keep things separate. Yeah. What uh, it interesting? Just, Sorry. Just out of curiosity, going back to the um, if you were trying to get into like video game voice acting and stuff, what kind of what kind of games would you want to be a part of in in the long run? Maybe obviously in the beginning, you know. You, just want to get your foot in the door but in the long run what would be your kind of thing that is very specific um <laughs> i i mean i i would do anything i could to be a part of the red dead redemption universe I right mean, <laughs> please god i'll do that for free if anyone's out there's listening <laughs> ask me i'll do it for free um yeah that, i mean that that would be amazing that would be really amazing um but just kind of i don't know i'm not that i'm not that picky i guess i'd I would do kind of whatever. Sure. Kind of I mean, Red Dead Redemption dancing. is an interesting touch point because all of that stuff is mo-capped, so it's, they're acting it at the same time that they do the voice acting, which oh, I think is right. really impressive. Yeah, that's a good point. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why. Cause, well, I guess just because the, the Black Badge series, I just looked into that and how like what all the stuff they had to go through to do all that stuff for Red Dead, and it looked like a lot of work. Wearing yeah. those goofy suits with the little balls all over them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're doing yeah. like really intense, dramatic scenes like that. I don't know. I don't know how you could keep a straight face. I couldn't tell you. Being <laughs> super professional and doing a lot. I, I don't know. That would yeah, be you'd amazing. You'd have to. I mean, I watched a video of, um, oh, the guy who did Smaug in the Benedict, Hobbit I was just going to bring that up. Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch doing Smaug. Yeah, that yeah. was ridiculous looking. Seeing those videos of him doing the mocap, trying to act like a dragon, it, it's it's a little silly when you see the yeah. mocap. I mean, obviously, the yeah. final product is amazing, but the mocap, yeah, I don't know how he kept a straight face doing it. I don't know how they do that with Marvel movies, which basically just a big green screen behind two or three characters, and they're reacting to some giant thing in front of them that's not really there i don't know how you do that to be perfectly honest sure that actually that brings up an interesting question i'd like to ask you then is so we are not really very into superhero movies Mm -hmm. um and i feel like the the marvel movies are kind of the most egregious for that these days (laughs) is that the they almost too heavily rely on the cgi in my opinion uh-huh, totally. Versus versus there being anything of real substance. I mean, do you think that comes through in those final products that there is no there is nothing actually standing beside them sometimes. It's all going to be done in post. I think you're right. Uh, I think there's a massive overreliance in CGI. Um and I think up until this point they've done a pretty good job, especially the the uh, Infinity War and Endgame uh movies. They did a really good job of personifying that and actually having emotions and really good acting. And I mean, it took 10 years to get to that point. So you know what's going on with these characters. So you're emotionally invested. 
But now that they're moving on to phase four, introducing a lot, introducing a lot of new characters that maybe most of us have never heard of before, that it's less effective. It it just seems more bland and played out, and you're just getting ready for next product. It's no, it's less getting involved in the story. It's more about well, this is next, so let's set this up over here, and it doesn't really matter if the characterizations are great or not because we know people are going to watch it anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's just, I mean, switching gears a little bit here to movie stuff, obviously, sure. but um, I, I think that's, it's a kind of a bummer too, because I, again, I probably don't plan on watching like the new Jurassic Park movies because I'm not that interested Why? in them anymore. Yeah. yeah, because to come from something so iconic as the original Jurassic Park that had the combination of that early form CGI with, you know, real live animatronic things mm-hmm. and the the weight of that movie that stuff felt pretty real absolutely these days it's just so spectacle that it it, we know you can do good cgi there's no doubt in my mind that you know young kids even can do great cgi with the technology these days but the way they put it all together just it feels like cgi now It, it gone i feel like are the days of like the lord of the rings original trilogy where the CGI was so perfectly utilized to where it, you know, was very seamless with the live action stuff. Whereas today it's, it's pretty obvious what all is CGI. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's, it's an over-reliance on CGI. Like like you were mentioning Jurassic Park, there was a little bit, but it was very limited. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so it worked in seamlessly and it wasn't an over-reliance on it. And they were actually reacting to big robots or whatever. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, now especially with the new Jurassic Parks, it's you can just sort of tell, right? It just in the same way that the original series, uh, Star Wars series, it was all animatronic and puppets, mm-hmm. and it felt yep. real. And then you got the the prequel trilogy, which is so smooth and pretty and CGI ish that there's it doesn't feel as real. You can't get as caught up in it, and you can't identify with it as much. So there's less less stakes. So I guess it just has at least for me it was. I don't know. It wasn't as effective. And I, th- I right. think, I think you're right. I think Marvel's doing that. I think, I mean, God, justice league, <laughs> the DC universe. That's, I was so much CGI. It felt like watching a cartoon. <laughs> and frankly, I'd rather just watch the animation of it than that. Yeah. I feel, yeah. If you're going to go that step to where almost the whole movie is CGI anyways, just make a full CGI movie. So yeah. I don't have to, depict oh, okay yeah that's a real person and everything around them is fake just just go ahead and make them cgi too make a cartoon out of it yeah absolutely and the, and the movies more that, entertaining yeah totally and the movies that don't rely so much on cgi like okay this is a deep cut pacific rim oh yeah it was, okay. <laughs> it was absolutely some cgi in that but all of the all of the humans in the jaegers that was an actual set and they were mm-hmm. actually moving and actually had water thrown on them and it was hard for them to do it. And you felt that as opposed to the next specific room movie, which was all CGI. And I was like, eh, I don't, you know, it's a cartoon, whatever. Yeah, right. Exactly. And you can tell, I mean, obviously if some actors are really, really good, they, they can, you know, put that weight behind the CGI things they're doing, but there's nothing like, like you're saying with the Pacific Rim, when those guys are trying to move those foot pedals and things, you can see that the weight of that is actually 
on there. I mean, I feel like that's what's missing from a lot of these movies these days is there is no, there's no weight, there's no stakes, there's no anything like that that makes it feel even realistic very well. I, I totally agree. And you brought up the Lord of the Rings, and I think the per, a perfect example of that is Lord of the Rings versus the Hobbit movies. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aside from taking a small kid's book, well, that's what it was supposed to be, and then adding all of this extra crap into it to make you know a trilogy. It, it was all CGI and you could yeah. tell it. I mean, it wasn't, you didn't really care as much as the first one where you got the good characterizations and, but it was, it was real. Like just the CGI of the orcs and that versus the Urukai in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Right. And how that was all prosthetic. It was all actual actors in super heavy makeup and it, but it looked real as opposed yeah. to the CGI sort of bland, smooth, glowy look to it. That just didn't feel particularly threatening. Yeah, I I was actually amazed when the Hobbit trilogy came out. I thought I didn't know that uh, Peter Jackson did both of them. I just I automatically assumed, oh, there's no way he would stoop that low, <laughs> but he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gotta and figure it, there's got to be a contractual thing in there somewhere. Probably. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, but it it just it is a far cry from the the original you know, Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. To that Hobbit yeah. trilogy. It's because uh, the original trilogy is so good. And that's one of those few movies where I would tell somebody like, Hey, look, if you can't stand, if you don't want to read a super long book to get a great story, watch the movies because yep. those are some of the few movies where I can say the, the movies depicted the book so well that you'd be okay by just watching the movies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Can you but think with, of any other books like that that were mm-hmm. as good in the movies as they were in the books? Me? I mean, off no. the top of my head, maybe not. I would say, though, with that Hobbit trilogy, I would almost tell people to go back and watch the uh, whatever it was, the 90s cartoon of the Hobbit. Leonard Nimoy? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. that, that does a much better job than the new Hobbit trilogy of actually portraying the story. Right. Right, right, right. No, I, I get you. Yeah, and then there's the question. Watership Down movie that, um, yeah, there's the Watership Down movie. Did you ever see that one? The water, the 1970s, 80s Watership Down? The the cartoon one? Gives Yeah, that gives yeah. kids nightmares. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, I'm pretty does. sure I watched that in school. <laughs> you did? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they showed us that in school, and it I was rem- terrifying. Oh, my God. I remember reading <laughs> the book, but I don't remember watching that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably wasn't allowed yeah, anymore was, by the time you came yeah. through because it was pretty bad. <laughs> it was terrifying. Letters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these... the main character gets shot. That's, I mean, that's that's always fun for a kid. Wait, right? really? Yeah. Well, now I have to watch yeah. this. <laughs> I don't even think general... today they would allow the book in school, would they? Oh, sure seem... they do. do they really? Oh, okay. Because it yeah, seems they're... like things are so tame in school these days. Yeah, that's true. Maybe maybe depending on the district. So what else can I answer for you? Yeah. Sorry, I was muted there. My wife came in the room with the dog. So <laughs> sorry. That's all right. <laughs> Quite all right. I think. That's a good actually how I guess I put that question back on you, Garrett. What what is a book that you can think uh 
equally portrays a movie or in movie form, you know, you could recommend the movie as easily as the book. Can you think of one off yeah, the top of your head? That is not an easy question. Um, this is why I'm not a lawyer, because normally lawyers don't ask questions without knowing the answers to them. Um, I don't have an answer ready for you on this one. I think the Lord of the Rings is is a perfect example. Um, yeah, I I don't I can't really can't think of anything off the top of my head. Yeah, and it's it's one of the few. I mean, yeah, it's one of the few. Because um, yeah, they do exist, but and we we try to because we've done a couple episodes uh, on the podcast where we compare a movie to a book and uh Mm -hmm. obviously we don't want to just be those guys the book's always better you know (laughs) because then there's no reason for us to make the episodes um sure one of the ones we did though was the shining Mm -hmm. oh yeah 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 of course that's yeah are you you talking about the uh, the jack nicholson movie or the Mm -hmm. uh the the miniseries that came later we did the movie yeah just the jack nicholson movie Um, cool. And we were thinking about trying to look at the miniseries later because I had read some stuff that Stephen King did not like Stanley Kubrick's depiction of the book. And that's why the miniseries exists, because he thought that it could be done differently and more accurately to the book. Because for anybody who doesn't really know, the Shining movie and the Shining book are very similar to the Starship Troopers movie and book where... Yeah the basically the similarities stop at the fact that there's a family at a hotel that's that's about it i mean (laughs) at the overlook exactly so Hmm. i knew they were different i didn't realize they were that different that's that's cool yeah they're pretty different too um stanley kuber took a lot of kind of creative liberty which (laughs) is unsurprising and yeah. I feel like his choice of actors is just very strange because, like, the wo- the woman that's his wife is just – some of the faces she makes in the movie <laughs> are just truly atrocious. Yeah. And I, I don't I don't know. I I know that movie is very loved, and I, I didn't watch it until, I guess, a couple years ago. I didn't watch it, like, kind of further back. And I we came to the – I came to the book first, and I really enjoyed the book, and I just kind of found the movie to be kind of a letdown – it didn't it didn't instill like that creeping dread that the the book was very good at like that something is just a little bit off with this hotel. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, Stephen King is a that's a he's a perfect example of really good books that are almost impossible to make into really good movies. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Um I think this last it was was pretty darn pretty darn close. Um and then Oh sure, yeah. Shawshank Redemption, I think, is a really good example of one that actually does better than the story. The uh, the movie is incredible. Yeah, I I've seen the movie. Actually, I've never I've never listened to the book, so maybe that's something I'll have to check out. Is the Shawshank Redemption book? Yeah, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Just a very is a short story that they kind of fleshed out and made a full movie out of. Interesting. But it's it's for at least for me, it's one of those that if it's if it comes on during the day, I just I stop and I sit and watch it, no matter what else is going on. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'll be curious. We recently did um Doctor Sleep by Stephen King too. Hmm. And then they obviously made that with uh, you and yeah. With you and McGregor. Yeah, he made that movie. So I'd be curious, since the movie and the book are pretty different um on The Shining, I'll be curious to see if that translates over as well to that doctor sleep because i mean the way that they depicted it in the movie of the shining the 
that character moving forward, it seems like it would be a lot more difficult than the way that they did it in the book, because in the book, you know, Danny is more of a focus than in the movie. So mm -hmm. hmm. I didn't know that. Cool. Did you like the book? Oh, yeah, we, we definitely yeah, like the Dr. book. Dr. Sleep is pretty good. Good. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of like new age Stephen King, which I feel like he's kind of lacking a little bit of the bite he used to have. But it's still it is still very good. Excellent. I'm definitely going to check that out. Oh, well, what do you think, uh, Garrett? Have we take have we soaked up enough of your time for today? I uh, I unless you have any more questions <laughs> for me. <laughs> uh, we didn't want to we didn't want to keep you on the hook too long. We again though yeah. we we can't say thank you enough for coming on and having a chat with us. We really do appreciate it. Anytime, and I'll uh, I'll send you. I'll keep sending you some uh, some download codes for the next books I got coming oh, up. Yes, so please give them a review. Yeah, we really appreciate that. Most of all, it's so awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> is there anything uh, if you want? You can go ahead and uh, give yourself um, some plugs here if you want. Is there any anywhere people should be checking you out? Sure, you can uh, look up uh, my name, Garrett Michael Brown, on Audible or Amazon, and uh, have thirty something books at this point, and all of those will come up for you. If you're into, if anyone out there is into sci-fi, sort of sarcastic military, uh, Interstellar Gunrunner, the Ashes of Eternity series by Jeremy Spires, um, working on a Rick Partlow series right now called Star Bounty. Uh, there's four in that, but he's talking about writing some more after those are done. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. Oh, Hallowed, Hallowed War. I've got two of those out and a third one finishing that one coming up here soon. Uh, Battle Ring Earth. Uh, John Freighter, that series is coming up. And then after that is uh, Cerberus for the next year, probably. That's going to be 12, oh, wow. 12 books. Oh, wow. Nice. Next. Then there should be some other ones in there. Interspersed as well. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and we definitely, our, we reviewed Interstellar Gunrunner pretty highly. So Yeah, I heard that. Thank you. Yeah, we definitely enjoyed that one. So Yeah, it's a good series. Thank you. For sure. Or trilogy, I guess. Trilogy for now. He's talking about doing other ones. Wait, what? How? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. Like backstories or something. He hasn't really got, I, have, I don't have the, the exact info on that one yet, but there's other characters in the universe he wants to, to bring oh, out and flesh okay. out a little bit more. Oh, okay. cool. That makes do sense. like side, side stories kind of a thing. Yeah, I, like, would, I would definitely listen to what about Narakad the Lesser. Wasn't he awesome? That was yeah. such a fun character. Yeah, yeah. he's so intimidating. <laughs> it's yeah, great. he was great. I mean, who would have thought of an alien put together as just a big bunch of amoeba-like gloop in a big suit, big mm -hmm. iron suit, and that's that's an alien. It's awesome. That dude's that dude's going places. He's great. He actually, James Wolanek actually, because I put some of I usually put the episodes up on YouTube as well, and he commented on our YouTube review of it oh, very fun. quickly. And he was so excited that we reviewed it. So <laughs> that was pretty cool. That's fun. He's a good guy. He's a real good guy. I like him a lot. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, a lot of books coming up. So if you like my voice, there's plenty to listen to. <laughs> okay. Well, cool. All right on, Garrett. And again, we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, you got anything else, Bill? Nope. I mean, if anybody wants to email us and talk to us, I mean, if I guess if there are any other narrators out here that would like to come on here, 
please email us at kotpl.pod at gmail.com. And Ryan's usually pretty quick at getting back to people. So if you want to come on, like anybody's welcome, honestly. And you don't necessarily have to just narrate audiobooks. If you do like voice acting of any kind, we would love to talk to you. For sure. Excellent. I think, I think with that, we'll wrap the episode up. Uh, thank you all for listening. <laughs>